Hello, everyone. Welcome to Energy Sense, the podcast that explores the most fascinating trends, news, and ideas in energy. I'm Chris Rawlings, Chief Energy Officer here at Bauer Bird Energy. Today's guest is Abby Johnson, the Executive Director at the Virginia Pace Authority. Abby, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot. Great to be here. So I read you have a degree in architectural history. How did you end up in uh, a C-Pace world? Well, it's an interesting journey. So I loved being an architect and worked uh, a little bit here. And then I went over to uh, Rome, Italy. And I would say the thing I loved about that the most was the idea of redeveloping properties. So I moved into working in commercial real estate and, and back in the U.S. And the one thing that kind of irked me, I would say, is the fact that there was just no attention paid to how buildings could be sustainable, how they could be treated as something that could have a longer life than the next shopping center. And I think what I realized, though, is you needed money to make that happen. And CPACE was the way I, I found is the, is the best, most effective financing for that in my world. For our listeners that don't know what CPACE, what is CPACE? What yeah, there you go. For? I'm happy yeah. to explain <laughs> it. Yeah. So it, it stands for Commercial Property Assess Clean Energy. What it really is is a way to finance energy efficiency, renewable energy, and resiliency improvements on commercial and multifamily properties. The acronym's a little clunky, but I think um, we're all learning that it really means energy efficiency financing. I know some of us have heard about PACE like in the residential sector and not so good news in other states. So can you tell us the difference? You know, I was expecting that to happen because (laughs) of the whole John Oliver piece um, over the summer. Basically, that is property assessed clean energy, and it's the more general term for the industry. But what happened, I guess, in California where billions of dollars of residential PACE loans were done, there were some unscrupulous contractors And there was an issue where the contractors are really going out and doing everything uh, related to approving the loan, and there was an accountability. Now, that has changed, and I think we're going to see an R-PACE, as it's called, residential PACE market, come back. But I think that is something that we don't have the problem in commercial. We don't have this problem because you have more sophisticated borrowers. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it seems like at the commercial level, there's a little bit more... Uh, people pay closer attention to underwriting and kind of checking all the boxes. As a you know, an energy contractor, it it really comes down to the numbers. It comes down to the impact of cash flow, return on investment, net present value, all of these things that CPACE and you know other financial incentives like utility rebates or tax deductions they could all play a, a pivotal role in getting projects, you know, across the line. What's the biggest wave you think that uh, CPACE has the potential to make here in Virginia and, and across, you know, where it's it's now allowed to be? What's kind of the perfect scenario for where CPACE would work? I'll start with the first. It's I think we're now in 38 states uh, in some fashion. Some states like California, Florida, Connecticut, Maryland are completely, uh, almost the entire states are enabled. Uh, And I'll explain why I said it that way in a second, for those who don't know the kind of special way PACE works. Uh, But I think that what's great about it is that it includes all the renewable energy improvements you can want to do. You can finance that through CPACE. You can also, and we're kind of fortunate here in the Mid-Atlantic, Virginia, Maryland, and also Pennsylvania as of um, yesterday are going to be allowing resiliency, which is 
a big word, but if we think back to Seaside, Florida, and what happened with that building that basically collapsed, um, there's a lot of issues around flooding, around how buildings are um, able to withstand increasing issues with high winds and climate change in general. I think resiliency is going to play a very big role in CPACE, and I hope it does. I hope it can help. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think expanding the scope of work that uh, CPACE can include in that financing package is really going to be a, another added benefit. You know, I will say CPACE is a little clunky and not, you no. know, it's, it's clunky for people to understand, building owners to understand. And I know that's you and, and your team, that's your job is to go out there and educate the market and educate contractors such as ourselves to be up to speed on how to sell it, how to include it in the conversation so that we can get those projects across the finish line. You know, I think when it comes down to the the tax assessment piece and the lien piece, you know, I think that's going to be potentially the biggest objection, right? You have your, your mortgage lender that wants to be the first one paid if something goes wrong. And so the CPACE kind of supersedes that. How do you guys get around that objection or have... Maybe that's not even the objection that you're running into like, with these you, projects. You is is it. that it? Yeah. Well, I would say that there's two main, you can always look at, you know, when you do a business plan, your barriers to entry and your challenges. So number one, I would say is the fact that in order to use CPACE or even RPACE, the local government has to allow it because it's becoming a special assessment on your property. So that's that's time. That's really becoming a public-private partnership. The government has to see, well, what's in it for us? Why would we want to do it? And and you can explain, and it's we've seen that it's a free economic development tool for them to help developers who want to come into the market, to help their existing businesses reduce their costs. But it takes time to get a market going. In Virginia, you know, we now have 14 jurisdictions that technically have it going on 15. But in terms of getting them to actually open a program up, it takes time. So that's going to decrease over time. It is. And so we've seen over the last two and a half years, uh, exponential growth in CPACE, primarily in markets that are more mature. So it'll happen here in Virginia as well. I'm, I'm very confident I wouldn't stay in this business. <laughs> but you did hit on the point of mortgage consent. And that is a huge issue in terms of the education you need to provide to commercial lenders. I, I actually worked in commercial real estate after I was an architect for a number of years. And so I can explain that it's basically only the payment that's outstanding that's ever ahead of their position. But sometimes they don't care or sometimes it's still too much. It's a clunky argument. So our strategy, and we've seen this work in other states, is to get the banks involved. Like they need to be able to show they're being sustainable. The ESG environmental social governance uh, policies of corporations, of insurance companies, of rating agencies is really making it a very big and important investment strategy. So I think this is an easy way, frankly, for them to do that. Have you ever had, um, I mean, it's good, it's, you just brought up a good point, the financial institutions and getting on board with, you know, ESG focused projects. I mean, we've seen investments and de-investments from big financial institutions. There was even a bank, I think, down recently in Tampa that is like just solely focused on financing for ESG type projects. Is there ever been any scenarios where you've got to engage the banks for financial institutions where you go to a property owner and say, hey, let's refinance. Let's switch you over from this lender to this lender who is accepting PACE 
and will consent. I'm just curious if that's like been some of the solutions because there might be like a net net positive there. So first I want to say you're a great contractor in our program and thanks for being (laughs) because you really get it. You really get uh, how CPACE works and you see the opportunities to make it work better. So that's what we've seen in a number of places, but including DC. DC is an early market leader where banks like City National and United and Eagle Bank have been involved in actually saying, hey, there's a refinancing opportunity and I'm going to add the PACE component as a kind of a bonus, something that allows me to lend more and make this project happen. And and maybe the most high profile example in the East Coast is the soccer stadium in DC, which was financed with $25 million by Eagle Bank. And I'm not trying to do a promo on them, but it's important to say, that was an important part of the capital stack and Eagles like, here I am, I'm a community bank and I want to be involved. So. Yeah. I mean, t- t- telling those stories is exactly uh, some of the ammo that we need as contractors to help sell these projects. Because when we get to the financial portion of the project, we look at the hard costs, the soft costs, the return on investment from energy savings and avoided maintenance costs and all of that. But then we start throwing in 179D tax credits and utility rebates and, oh, here's CPACE. A lot of times it can get confusing and we want to like simplify it and we can say, look, well, here's somebody that just did it and they've got a great story. Go talk to them. So I think you're, you're absolutely right. As these markets mature, you're going to have more stories that come out like that. And I think it's going to help us get more projects across the finish line. You talked about Resiliency, I think, you know, again, increasing the scope of work that can be included in CPACE projects is is definitely going to be an added bonus. And I think there is a there is a ground level as far as projects that we would even bring this up in. Like I personally, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I wouldn't even bring it up on a project that was less than a couple hundred thousand dollars. There seems to be a, a certain amount of due diligence that needs to be done on the front end for it to make sense to kind of bring it to the table. Would you agree with that? Or? <laughs> so, so I'm going to put my for-profit consulting. I have a consulting uh, company that uh, Abacus that would say, yeah, we can't afford to do that. And I think you're right that most contractors need to stay above a certain threshold because there is a certain amount of due diligence. My nonprofit, uh, Virginia Peace Authority hat says we have to find a way to find and finance those small projects because we do get inquiries for really little ones. And I'm like, oh, I don't know any lenders who are going to really finance that. And I don't really even know contractors who might do it other than residential. Sure, it's in early stages, but basically we have uh, a new product called PaceFi through a company we work with that's developing this nationwide. And it's to simplify the upfront process of vetting something. So the user has to put in information about the project that will at least identify lenders who will do it. But there's a certain amount of due diligence in that that helps make it at least a first round you know, done by us so that if there's any interest they know they're qualified in that market, that they have the kind of property that qualifies, location qualifies, the project itself qualifies, and they have some details. So it's still early going, but absolutely from a general contracting standpoint, that's the minimum probably right yeah. now. Yeah. So Abby, moving on a little bit from CPACE, what are some projects that have really caught your eye in the last year or so? Well, that's a great question. Also, there's so many that I'll I'll just try to think about the ones that really show you how great energy financing really is and how important energy efficiency is as we move forward. One of them is actually a community development type project. It's a a co-op 
that uh, is looking to use CPACE and other kinds of incentives uh, in Virginia to really bring farm to table to that locality. And I think, you know, that's not a huge project, but it really is something that you don't see that often the way it's structured. And I think uh, having the ability to lower their costs to make uh, it more accessible to reduce food deserts is really something we want to push pace into as a as something that can contribute. Uh, also, we're seeing a lot of interest in the hemp kind of type market or the commercial greenhouse market, very large projects, not just in Virginia. There's been several financed in different states with PACE. And because of the high cost related to the lighting and even some of the water systems, PACE is definitely part of that because it's still, you know, a little out there in terms of getting traditional financing You get equity in there and, you know, senior debt. So that's another one I think is a trend to look for. I also think another cool one, and I can't really say where it is, but it's actually an indoor ski resort. And it's very, you know, how much energy that's going to use. So that seemed really cool. But we also have the kind of bread and butter hotel projects. You know, we see conversions from office or retail to something else like self-storage, that kind of project. And I would say that I want to make clear that CPACE is great for retrofits, it's great for existing buildings, but it's also being used a lot in new construction and gut rehab. So it's something I just really works for both types of projects. Yeah, I was talking to a developer the other day and, you know, there's a lot of adaptive reuse projects here, obviously in Richmond with the historical tax credit and tons of multifamily going up. We've mainly operated in the retrofit space on current buildings, but we're being pulled into the the new construction slash adaptive reuse projects right now, whether it's putting in EV charging stations or doing solar it's been interesting to see how the market is is starting to evolve. You know, I first found out about CPACE, I think it was back in 2016, when I was kind of putting this whole financing type package together. So it's interesting to see how it's kind of grown. And honestly, I think more and more contractors are becoming aware of these programs. Some people are like, well, you don't want to tell your competitors about it. And I'm like, actually, I do, because I don't want the confusing messages out into the market where this person says one thing and we say another and the client's like, I don't get any of it. I'm backing out. Well, you know, I would add that the whole rising tides lifts all boats. I mean, absolutely. There's such a huge market. I forget one of my colleagues was saying it's trillions probably in this market if you look at over time. So we need more folks who understand how to help the commercial and multifamily sector, particularly in Virginia. We're not, you're, you're unique, I would say, and there's not that many of you around. So there's enough for everyone. You know? Yeah. So I mainly think about the private sector utilizing this stuff, but is there opportunity for the public sector to utilize this financing at all? Okay, not not to get everyone like going, oh gosh, it's getting boring now. She's <laughs> getting into the weeds. This is my holiday and attorney personality <laughs> that I can have. Um, but you can use PACE, of course, for nonprofits, which are private sector technically. But also if you have a long-term ground lease, so say there's a project in Virginia Beach that may still happen where the owner um, is leasing the land and they're building a facility. So as long as that PACE loan, say up to 30 years, is as long as that lease, you're good. So I'm still trying to crack that nut for the public, though. But, you know, at the end of the day, who's going to foreclose on themselves? I think it's like, hey, I don't like this anymore. Oh, wait a minute. It's me. I can't do that. So, right. Yeah. So when I got into the business in 2014, LED lighting seemed to be the first step for businesses to take in regards to energy efficiency. 
what are some of the main energy efficiency measures you're seeing that are being maybe the bulk of the project or kind of the first thing that's that's looked at when utilizing CPACE or these other financing platforms? It's funny, I used to live in California. So when I moved back to Virginia, I'm like, well, LEDs are already required there in 2014, but not here. You know, and now it is, or for the most part. I, I still think we see lighting. We see HVAC for sure, VRFs and other kinds of systems. Um, we certainly see different kinds of solar, backup generation. Uh, we see really interesting things, waste to energy for ag projects, not in Virginia and this is in Missouri. So it's some really, basically, if you have a project we want to say, bring it to us and we'll tell you if it doesn't qualify. Because as long as it's saving energy or water or generating energy, we're going to approve it as long as it's this technology that's you know met certain standards. I think for new construction, it's all about how much of it can you use at the total project cost. So that's going to vary by project, but it's still kind of the, the basic food groups, you know, plus maybe solar. But I, you do see some really cool kind of technologies. Like one is um, it's actually a manufacturer of a type of concrete that it contains hemp. I think I'm on a theme here. Um, and they, however, are going to have that within a technology in the concrete. And we're trying to figure out a way to allow that to be financed. It's a little more complicated, but we're trying to think outside the box because there's so many, the idea of how carbon is embedded, that needs to be incorporated, I think, and how we finance energy efficiency. So, Yeah, it's like the the life cycle of, yes. or the embodied carbon or all that. I, I was on a, the phone with the uh, Southeastern Hemp Association not, not too long ago. <laughs> and they were, again. <laughs> they were telling me about these different ideas of how to get full commercialization with these different products. So it kind of completely blew my mind. And then as far as controlled environmental agriculture, I mean, that's a very energy intensive process. So anything they can do to reduce their utility costs and their energy usage is going to increase their production and lower their costs. And it's a win-win all around. So Abby, we've talked a lot about CPACE today. What are some of the other things that you're passionate about? So besides tennis, which the Australian Open's coming up, so I'm all really (laughs) geared up for that. Uh, Besides tennis and just enjoying uh, music and sports and my family and friends, I really am definitely passionate about affordable housing and tenants and residents of affordable housing having access to technologies that lower their costs and make their lives more pleasant from a you know environmental standpoint. Being on the board of Virginia Housing and uh, the Department of Housing and community development uh, in Virginia has really opened my eyes to the need to really reach the low and moderate income families and that there's still a lot of work to do. So working both with those boards, but also in other states with some of my colleagues, we're really trying to figure out a way to make it easier for them to enjoy all these wonderful things that we're working on at a much larger scale. Absolutely. Well, I definitely agree with you on the low income housing. I think even COVID highlighted some of the poor uh, indoor environmental issues that that community faces. And obviously the strain of those utility costs in some of those communities as well as a lot heavier than it is on, on other people. So I applaud you for your work in that space. I won't break open the, the Reggie can of worms today. <laughs> oh, but we'll, we'll, talk, we'll say that for another episode. Um, Fingers crossed. Well, Abby, thank you so much for coming by the Energy Sense podcast today. I really enjoyed speaking with you. I really enjoyed being here and I really hope you have a great end of the year. And this is an awesome podcast. I can't wait to subscribe. Thank you so much. And we'll put your contact information in the notes below. Thank you so much, everyone, for following the Energy Sense podcast. I am Chris Rawlings, Chief Energy Officer here at Bowerbird Energy. And we'll see you next time.